live from the mysterious mist enshrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast with your hosts, Scott and Emily. All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the big show. My name is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. And Emily, we're going to do a topic for these folks today that, you know, I've been thinking about for quite some time. And I think it's really important because we talk about money. Always. We talk (laughs) (laughs) Well, we talk about money as a factor that causes a lot of rifts in relationships between men and women. Well, it's the number one reason why people get divorced. Right. And then there's infidelity. There's that. Right. And yet, sometimes we really overlook the power of what's said between men and women in relationships. And, you know, the old adage is, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's just really not true, is it? Well, there's a reason why little kids recite this, because they don't know that as they get older... Those things really can add up to a lot of hurt. Well, I'm not even sure it's the effect of a bunch of pebbles being thrown on a hill until they form this mountain. I think in a relationship between a man and a woman, just one thing can be said and can cause resentment not only on the spot, but a recurring shockwave of resentment for weeks, months, or even years beyond. You know, I always use the analogy of baking a cake. I can take all the ingredients, put it together, and have a cake. But I can't undo it. Yeah, it's like a haircut. Your barber says, I can always take more off. I can't put any more back on. (laughs) Boy, have I experienced that too many times. Yes. And that's the part that we need to talk about is how can we avoid making those mistakes? Well, I think that is an excellent question to ask. And another question that goes in tandem with it are, what are these words that hurt so badly? Because sometimes in relationships, we start bandying things around, not realizing the impact of what is said. And we hear it a lot from different couples. Yes, we hear it a lot from not just couples who are very upset and hurt by what their partner has said, but also, Emily, people come to us who maybe haven't found the right person in their life yet. And they're still reeling from what was told to them when they were growing up by their parents or what was said to them by someone during the dating process or someone who rejected them years ago who, man, they had just put on a pedestal. But the rejection was so harsh that, you know, the guy or the gal who's talking to us just won't even ask out another person because they're so devastated by it. Well, we don't realize sometimes the impact that we have on other people. That's what I'm saying. And that's so vital to understand that because we need to try not to hurt people. And we need to try to help people succeed in life. Well, I think that goes without saying, don't you? Unless you're some kind of psychopath. Yeah, but you know, sometimes we get busy in life and we forget these things. We don't do it on purpose, but we a good reminder is healthy. Yes. In other words, we may not realize what another person's hot buttons are or what their real sore spots are in terms of their emotional well-being or their self-esteem or what really is a sticking point for them personally. And so if we just glibly say something we think is going to be innocuous from our perspective, it could indeed be devastating for them. 
Well, for each person, it's different. Some people are more sensitive about a certain topic. And if we're unaware of it, we can sometimes hurt people's feelings. Sometimes being aware of someone being real sensitive about maybe lacking this or that, that if someone says something about it, it makes all the difference in the world. All of a sudden, their whole world comes crashing down and they just give up. Yes, isn't that crazy? You know, we talk a lot around here about the idea of someone doing us wrong abusing us, uh, saying something to us that is really hurtful. And when a person takes that to heart and really lets it damage them, what they're doing is they're giving that person superpowers over their life that that person who was either unwittingly or intentionally trying to hurt them really doesn't deserve. That is so true. And on the flip side, even if it's us that's crushed or hurt, we need to find ways to be empowered to take back that power. Kind of like the remote. Who has that remote over your emotions, your feelings, and your thoughts? You, or did you hand it off to someone else? I've seen sex toys that are like that. <laughs> you go out to dinner, you know, and you kind of have a vibrator somewhere hidden down there, and the boyfriend has the remote and can kind of just turn you on, literally, during <laughs> dinner. You would have too much fun with that. Me? I would Pushing have too my much buttons. fun? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure you need a vibrator, you personally. Anyway. Wait, did I just say that in my out loud voice? That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have said that publicly. Actually, I'm kidding. I absolutely should have said that publicly. This podcast already needs perking up. (laughs) Let's go back to G. (laughs) PG. G? Oh, I thought you meant the G spot. Oh, my goodness. Back to what we were talking about. What were we talking about? Why is there a G spot? It should be at least a PG-13 spot. (laughs) It's not an R or an NR-17 or an X spot. I guess so. Well, we can talk about that. That's a different show. (laughs) (laughs) The X-Spot, coming to a podcast near you. The words we can never undo. Words we can never undo. You know, there's a Tyler Childers song about that. And there's hurt you can cause that time alone cannot heal. Oh, yes. I think one great example. Well, let's take it from the before married, before relationship. Okay. Perspective, and then move into what is said during relationships. Let's get started. Yeah, let's get practical about this. So I get examples all the time of guys who are not asking women out anymore because they'll get the gumption up to ask a woman out. And the woman will either laugh at them or say something like, you silly boy, don't you know women can't stand guys who are exactly like you for whatever reason, right? And the guy will just wilt. The guy will be like devastated. Like, oh, I knew that was why women didn't like me. But the thing is, just because that woman has an opinion doesn't mean she speaks on behalf of every female human being on earth. Yet, again, the guy lets this woman have superpowers over him. Some women don't realize how hard a guy has worked to be able to get the nerve and the bravery to come and talk to her. Because it's scary to talk to a stranger, male or female, it doesn't matter. A stranger is always a scary thing to talk to. Yeah, I know, right? Women are like, I didn't know something called approach anxiety even existed. I thought these guys just weren't interested in me. So when a guy actually comes along, takes a deep breath and shows interest in her and she just flattens him, you know, you see this in movies all the time, right? So guys have these fantasies of women either just slapping them as soon as he says hello to her or getting the classic martini thrown in his face. And that would be devastating to him. And, and of course, you know, that just doesn't usually really happen in real life. Well, that's why it's in movies and shows because, well, it's not the norm. It's just something that doesn't happen. That's what makes it great for TV. 
Or if you see it in movies, the guy actually probably deserved it for some reason. True. And that makes it fun because like, yeah, he deserved it. He got what he deserved. But in real life, women are usually pretty kind even when he does deserve it. That's true in real life. So imagine a guy who doesn't ask a whole lot of women out, doesn't get a whole lot of reps at this because he's just, you know, he's kind of shy. So he's not the kind of guy who flirts with every woman to begin with. He kind of stores it up for this right opportunity and really has to grab a pair and do it. If on an odd chance, that one time is where the woman just turns around and levels him. Yes, that could have a huge negative impact. You may never ask a woman out for ages after that. Whereas if he asks out three or four women a day and they usually give him their number or say, yeah, you seem very charming and sweet and cute and blah, blah, blah and all that. The one time out of 25 where a woman is rude to him, it won't matter as much. That's right. It's all yeah. in the numbers, right? And on the off chance a woman does that, there could be several reasons why she would. One, she's just been approached by a god-awful human being who just was terrible with women and, you know, wanted to use her and she'd just been fed up with men and you were just the wrong person at the wrong time that she took it out on. Or she could be just this horrible person that you lucked out not having to get involved with. Yeah, as my friend Dr. Mark Goldston would say, who's been on the Mountaintop podcast twice now, it would be called fear-based aggression, which a lot of women seem to exhibit. In other words, their first response when a stranger talks to them or faced with a man is to be aggressive, to be a little bit harsh. Whereas if a guy just stands in the gap and says, hey, you know, it's okay, my name's Scott, well, <laughs> I'm just trying to talk to you, or I'm just saying hello, then most of the time, the woman will soften up and go, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm so sorry. And it it's realize, just a reflex. Right. And sometimes people are like that after work. You know, you're a different person coming off of work than you have a few hours after you've had time to relax and mellow. Right. So a word to the wise for everybody out there going on dates after work is decompress first. You know, I tell <laughs> yes. guys, hey, take off the company polo shirt with the logo on it. At least change clothes, you know, you know, lighten up just a little bit before you go into a first date with all the aggressions and stress on from your workday. Cause, you know, the chances are a lot less likely your date's going to go well. Absolutely. And most women are kind. They're not going to, we're not looking to chew men's heads off. That's true. We're not praying mantises. <laughs> that was exactly what I was going to say. Thank God <laughs> we're not praying mantises. Otherwise, we would be having a very different podcast. Oh, God. And we look so much better than they do. True. We don't do. have buggy eyes. They have nice long legs, though. I, I guess so. All the way up to their thoraxes. <laughs> all right. So let's go even further back and let's talk about childhood. A lot of people are raised in households where, for some reason, the parents like to get their jollies off on their children, telling their kids how they'll never amount to anything, how they're ugly, how they're not good enough. Uh, they're raising their kids to be Mr. or Ms. Perfect. And they have to get everything right. And if anything is never right, well, then we have to be rushed off to the psychiatrist to fix it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we grow up having heard these things out loud. Some parents mean well. They just kind of think their kid is the next iteration of baby Jesus and they want everything right. And that can be abusive because it causes the child never to think they're good enough or that they can get anything right. And yet, some parents are just flat out, straight out abusive. Some teachers are flat out, straight out abusive. Emily, for example, my kindergarten teacher, my first grade teacher, and my second grade teacher, looking back, they all should have been fired for just flat out abusing children. 
I mean, it was like Pink Floyd's The Wall and whatnot. I mean, it was crazy. Well, my first grade teacher should have been fired. She actually hit me. No kidding. Twice. Oh, yeah. She took a paddle, a stick, and whapped me really good. Oh, I remember teachers telling me I was stupid. I would never amount to anything. That if they told my parents what I was up to, uh, you know, my parents might not even love me anymore. I mean, who were these crazy people? And they were all women. Wow, that's crazy. You know, it's not like I had these evil guys for teachers who were like James Bond villains, like Blofeld, sitting up there, you know, stroking a kitty cat or something, telling me how awful I was. These were people who had been there for many years. Crazy, isn't it? It is. Imagine all the damage that they did. But, you know, as adults, we got to move forward and realize that we are worth something. Very true. But we also have to realize that, Emily, that's just not so easy for many people. I think something that might really be helpful for a lot of people listening to know is something that one of the guests on the mountaintop talked about, oh, I don't know, probably 75, 80 shows ago. Hey, guess what? Nobody had a perfect childhood. Everybody was abused in some way, shape, or form. Someone was talked to in a way that negatively affected them. I'll tell you, in my life, we placed a value on saying the right things, doing the right things, acting the right way in my family. And, you know, I was not raised in an abusive home. My parents are good people. But here's the thing. When either one of my parents or one of my grandparents said something that was outside of that boundary, it was even more hurtful. You know why? Because in an environment where it's taboo to say something hurtful, if something is said that is hurtful, well, they must have really meant it. And because there's so few examples of them, you remember the ones that are particularly hurtful. That is true. When it's not something that you're used to and it gets blurted out, it does. You're right. It does make more of an impact. I mean, you know, if I'm a bad BMX parent, and I tell my kid they're stupid and slow and they shouldn't get any dinner because they're worthless, but I tell them that every time they lose, chances are they're not going to grow up, be a 25-year-old in the business world, and remember that one time I said something really hurtful and hear it echoing in their brain. They'll just remember, you know, their evil old man was a real jerk when it came to BMX racing. And in a way, I don't know if that's any more hurtful or less hurtful than just blurting out that one thing where that kid finally knew what was actually going on in my head, what I really thought. And I don't know, Emily, I'm starting to lean towards it's the latter that's more painful. Because if you live in this environment where like, oh, we love you, we think you're wonderful, and you're going to be president of the United States one day, and then that one time when you're 13 and you really hit your mom's hot buttons and she goes, you know what, I should have aborted you, you should never have been born! Well, that's pretty strong. Oh, and yeah. why is it a mom anyway? What about dad? <laughs> I, I, hey, I picked it's on... It's always mom's fault. Hey, hold on a second. Let's be fair. I picked on dads a minute and a half ago. <laughs> I'm doing equal opportunity here. You want to pick on moms? You want to be the woman and pick on the moms? <laughs> Go for it. I'm just reaching for that one thing that would be really, really hurtful if, say, you heard it one time in your entire childhood. However... To go along with that thought, it's interesting you should say that. I think a lot of that has to do with individuals, how we perceive that. Because you can have a thousand people experience the same thing and each one handle it differently. So a parent may burst out in words unexpectedly because they had a bad day. 
but a child or several children within that household might perceive it and digest that information differently. So a lot of it has to do with how we perceive and hold on to that memory. Because we may be given a lot of love and affirmation and the one screw up might be forgiven because we know we're still loved. So it really depends on the individual what they want to do with that information. Forgive and let go because we know we're loved. Or we happen to think, well, you know what? Maybe that's their true feelings. Well, I think it could go either way. I mean, if it's something relatively innocuous, it's probably not going to bother us anyway, right? But if you've been told you're an athlete your whole life, for example, and you're going to be wonderful and you're going to make the team, and then you get into high school and you don't make your JV soccer team, and your dad says to you, you know, deep down I've known my entire life you were a total klutz and had no talent. I should have just known. Well, Either you're going to brush that off because your dad's having a bad day and he didn't really mean it because look at the sum total of the time, work, and energy your dad's pumped into your athletic endeavors throughout your entire childhood, or it's going to be the one thing you remember your father saying, and that's what you're going to credit to him as the truth forever. And the truly devastating part, Emily, is what if that resentment is kept inside? What if it's bottled up? What if you've never mentioned it to your father? What if you never admit out of shame or fear how badly that hurt you? And what if that's coupled with your dad saying, oh, man, I should never have said that. Let's just forget it happened and never coming and apologizing or saying, hey, you know what? That isn't what I meant. If that all gets bottled up, then that's how it can fester over time. And then in one's memory, that event can loom larger over the course of years and decades than it actually was in the moment. And you remember it being a bigger blowout than it actually was. You know, you can see that happen all the time. People come to me just devastated because of things that have been said over time, and then they aren't unsaid for whatever reason, because the dad's too proud to apologize, which a lot of dads are, a lot of moms are. Or because the speaker, the one who committed the verbal infraction, as it were, didn't see it as a big deal. Certainly not as much as the person who was offended by it. Or maybe because it was so long ago. Remember, it's based on what we remember. Things that affected us the most, that were extreme, we remember, we hold that. The rest of it we forget about. So the person who did the aggression may not have any memory of it because to them, there was no bad feelings or emotions tied to it. Exactly. So then we get into a relationship with someone, a significant other someday, And because we're coming at this from our own set of experiences and circumstances, unless we've really been very vulnerable and straightforward with the person we're entering into a relationship with, we may not realize how sensitive they are about certain things being said or how they'll react or not react, you know, bottle it all in again to what's said to them. So it's very important that couples learn how to communicate and understand each other's communication styles long before a marriage. That way we can avoid touching those delicate buttons. A great example of the variance that can exist here. I remember years ago, before the word blog was even a household word, I remember there was a British guy named Mill Millington, and he started basically a web blog, which is what blog is short for, right? Called Things My Girlfriend and I Have Argued About. And it started off innocuously as a list of things that his girlfriend did that irritated him. And he would say things like, you know, she brushes her teeth with her 
mouth open and leaves those little white specks all over the mirror in the bathroom. Well, that would be irritating. Right. So they argued about that. And what made this so vastly entertaining and what made it go viral, again, before the word viral was a thing, right, was they devolved into these angry rants that were like four or 500 words long each. Like, this woman actually has the audacity, believe it or not, to purchase a Kit Kat bar, unwrap the thing after having paid good money for it, and break it widthwise in half with absolutely no regard whatsoever for the fact that they were created into four little fingers <laughs> to be broken individually on purpose, and yet you have defiled this thing by breaking it in half. And it was just so funny to listen to the things that he argued with his girlfriend about, right? And he went on to write a novel called Things My Girlfriend and I Have Argued About, which was loosely based on his life. And in it, he was continuously arguing with his girlfriend about these things that happen in their lives all the time, and really just sticking it to each other. And you realize very quickly upon reading the book that these two are perfect for each other. This is how they communicate. This is their banter. This is... This is their idea of fun. So they're actually perfect for each other. So they're not saying these things or doing things out of meanness. This is no. just their way of communicating and kind of like sticking it to each other in just fun. Right. So there's nothing offensive going on there. It's simply their communication styles together. Now, if one of those spouses was continuously harping on the other one and starting arguments, the other one may become very, very hurt by that, especially if they didn't know when to duck, or they just didn't know how to respond, and it certainly just wasn't their thing. Or if one decides to stop talking and bottling it up. Right, then it becomes bullying, not banter. So, you know, there's got to be equality. There's got to be a meeting of the minds in a relationship, as it were, saying, okay, where you say to each other, this is what we like to do. This is how we like to interact with each other. And it may not be Mr. and Mrs. Nice Guy to each other. As a matter of fact, that may be a sign that the two of you aren't being authentic with each other. So finally, when something does get bottled up after being so quote-unquote nice to each other after all these weeks, months, years, and dare I say it, decades, Ooh. then boom, it comes out. It's like, okay, here it is. I'm sick of your face. You here know? comes the tornado and whoosh, all the damage. Oh. oh my goodness, the catastrophe that happened. Oh, the humanity. And you're darn skippy. It's going to be hurtful. Right? Absolutely. And then there's those things that can never be undone. I mean, you say them in the moment of just sheer anger because you've bottled it up. It's just taken time and you just finally had to let it go. And a few days later, you're like, oh, man, you know, I really didn't mean what I said. But you said it. That's the worst part is it's been said or he or she said it. It's been said. And yeah, I just can't take it back. And some of the things that are the worst and most hurtful, like, I don't love you. Oh, so I see you're starting to enumerate them. Here comes the bullet list. Right. You know, or I hate you is the same right. as I don't love you. And you're thinking, but I didn't mean it. And they understand I don't mean it. I tell them and show them how much I love them. But the words really do have an impact. I'm reminded of the title of Yogi Berra's autobiography, which was, I didn't really say everything I said. <laughs> so, yeah, you get these couples who say just abusive things to each other that really carry a lot of emotional weight with them. You know, they're driven home with a big, heavy hammer. And that's what resonates to the receiving party as the truth. And you're right. They can be, I don't love you anymore. I want a divorce. Couples who just 
throw that down in the middle of an argument. Wow. That would be heavy duty. I'm leaving. We're done. I was never attracted to you to begin with. It was a mistake to marry you. I don't love you. I never loved you. How do you unsay those things? Well, those are the kind of things you can't unsay. Mm -mm. You better be really careful about uttering things like that in the context of a long-term relationship. Yeah, when you get that heated up or anybody gets that heated up, when you're starting to say things uncontrolled and things are getting out of control, that's the time to say, stop. You know what? We need a timeout. Let's revisit this when we calm down. Absolutely. And that somehow needs to carry enough maturity in the moment, enough emotional wherewithal on the part of one or both people in the relationship to make that happen. And that's not always easy because if the other person is not stopping and they're just throwing jabs after jabs of words and anger and you keep saying, look, let's not do this right now. This is not the time to talk. Trust me, just give me space. And they just won't stop. It's not easy because it's, you know, they say things and next thing you know, you get pulled and sucked right into that conversation and things happen. And I think it's important to say here that none of what we're talking about here is gender specific. It could be the man or the woman who will keep driving at it and the man or the woman who's saying, hey, let's take a deep breath. And the man or the woman could take what's being said to heart. I think a lot of times women in particular think that men don't have feelings and that they can say what they want to the guy and it'll just bounce off. And then the guy will feel like he's got to be Mr. Stoicism and absorb it all when really it's damaging him and damaging their relationship. One more point. When things are getting heated like that, And let's say the guy says, you know what? I need space. We'll talk about this later. It's so hard, especially, I don't know if all women are like this, but I know I am. I don't like to leave a subject untouched. I got to solve it. I got to solve it now. And if you're going to leave and walk away and not finish this conversation, it's like, but you can't do that. Oh, I think a lot of men are like that too. And you can't stop. Otherwise, you don't care. So the great thing to do in this situation, say, look, I love you. I care about you. This is important to me. But let's talk about this later. This is not a good time, but reassure them you love them and this is okay. Yeah, I think that's a great, great bit of advice right there. I'll tell you, Emily, for those listening, the rule in our relationship has always been we do not insult each other. We do not say, I wish I never married you. You're a real bitch. You're a real jerk. Uh, I want a divorce. That word is held sacred around here. We don't even joke about it. And yet... We can get cranky. We can get upset. We can have moments where we're not really all together emotionally. But because we trust each other enough, knowing that we both want to be here, we chose to be here, you know, we can endure kind of externally focused crankiness from each other because we really don't get at each other from the perspective of saying anything we're going to resent later. And I think that on one level takes a bit of discipline and I will go ahead and throw it on the table. The younger the couple, the more likely they're going to erupt in these these immature emotional outbursts to each other with a stream of invective that they would love to unsay later. I think in our favor was the fact that we met in our 30s. That's very helpful. After at least one failed marriage each. (laughs) And um, I think that matters. But you know, a lot of what we've said today, I think is really valuable. And yes, one thing in the moment can really matter in a relationship and cause 
a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, not only in the moment, but to continue festering for years and years. So the moral of this story, we could go on for hours, but the moral of this story is no matter what happens, no matter how emotional you are, please think before you speak, men and women, because words can really hurt each other and they can really ruin a relationship. Absolutely. I agree. And with that, it's time to close our show. Uh, we'd like to send you to our website. If you're a woman listening to this, go to www.scottandemily.com front slash podcast, where you can get show notes, sign up for Emily's newsletter. And if you're a man, go to mountaintoppodcast.com, where you can also download show notes and check in with our sponsors, which include Origin in Maine, Keyport, and of course, Hero Soap. Use the coupon code MOUNTAIN10 for 10% off when you purchase anything from any of our fine sponsors. And also, guys, please get in on the master classes that are going on. This month's master class is going to be How to Make Women Love You. I'll give you a hint. This is a freebie, Emily. If you want women to love you, don't insult them and call them names and tell them they're ugly and terrible. Tell That's- them how wonderful we are and we're admired and loved. That is indeed a great start. But indeed, gentlemen, go ahead and check out mountaintoppodcast.com front slash masterclass and get your ticket. There are, of course, a limited number of them each month. And if you're listening to this podcast sometime after mid-June of 2022, go to that link anyway and see what's on tap for this particular month. It's all there for you at mountaintoppodcast.com front slash masterclass. And until I talk to you again real soon, this is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. From X and Y Communications in San Antonio, Texas. Be good out there. And have fun. You've been listening to the X and Y on the Fly Dating Podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisperer, Dating Cast, and Online Dating Profile Rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun.